Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy on a busy, busy sports weekend, and we are literally like all over the place. All right, so this is coming out on um, Thursday, March 21st. I had intended to get this out on like Wednesday night, but it's total chaos. Murph is in South Carolina. Hello from the back of a Walmart parking lot in Columbia, Murph. How are you? Hi, it's barren, it's cold, it's lovely, it's South Carolina. But there's a Murphy, okay, you, you've you never seen a Murphy USA gas station before in your life? No, as of three minutes ago, it's the first time I've ever seen one. I don't, I, how is this even possible? Like, I, because I, because I spent 25 years of my life in Southern California, Jeffrey. Yes, but you, you but you're not 25, you've had, uh, I mean, you, you've, you've spent a, you've spent a rather significant chunk of your life in the Southeast. I don't know how do you miss ha- this. Do, do they have Murphy USA gas stations in Florida? I think they do. Like if you go a little bit north of here, yeah. Well, yeah. north of north of Orlando, I don't know. But they're around. I know they're around here. Um, Eric, you were at softball last night, so that was always fun. That's right, Brammy. Hello, friends. Yeah, we had some good win. We had a good win for we had good wins for softball. We had good wins for baseball, which we'll talk about later. Our guest on the show today is Michael Smith of Sports Business Journal and Sports Business Daily. He co-wrote the story that uh, with John uh, John Oran, um, where they broke the American Athletic Conference's new TV deal with ESPN. So we will break that down with um, Mike. Great conversation. Actually, one of the most uh, intrigue. I would say intriguing. Uh, interviews that we've had ever in this podcast. And by the way, we're on episode 151. There is no other, by the way, there is no other UCF podcast that will break down the TV contract legitimately and as in detail as this one. Legitimately? So you're calling the other guys illegitimate, huh? I'm just saying. Them's fighting words. You know, we have facts. We have the guy. Not, we're the only ones that have the person that actually broke the story. There you go. Who knows what's actually going on. All right. So, and we will, um, but we're going to begin um, with hoops. Now, um, it will be a busy Friday of basketball for UCF because both the men's team and the women's team are in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, we know about the men's team. Um, They play at 9.40 p.m. Eastern time against uh, VCU in Columbia, South Carolina, where Brian Murphy is right now we broke down that that's entire why game he's there that's, that's right. why he's there he's not there for the gas station ah yes not yeah. the gas station no he's not sca- he's good. not scouting gas I station will say, opportunities it is it is 228 so i might be here for the gas i mean that's good price that's not bad that's not so yeah. um but we have a full breakdown of the game with taylor young that we had on our emergency podcast that we had on uh that we recorded on sunday night um, so make sure you uh, listen to that for the full breakdown if you haven't already. But while we're here, Murph, you're in Columbia. Checking with you on any updates. Um, I know that there were some questions about um, the injury to uh, Marcus Evans, the guard for VCU. What's the latest from what you've been able to glean uh, as you made your trip to uh, South Carolina? Well, uh, Marcus Evans, for UCF fans who don't know, is kind of like the B.J. Taylor for B- for VCU. He's basically their on-court leader. Uh, he's their leading scorer. Uh, he facilitates and he scores. Uh, he's also, for VCU, he's really the head of the snake of their defensive principles, which is pressing and creating havoc. Uh, he leads the team in steals. 
Um, so he's important, like critically important for VCU on both ends of the floor. Uh, he is, uh, according to the coach Mike Rhodes, questionable to play Friday night against UCF. Uh, Evans hurt himself. He uh, got injured during VCU's uh, conference tournament loss last week in which he hyperextended his left, his left knee and uh, also suffered a bone bruise. He's been rehabbing, uh, but, you know, bone bruises are really tough to heal and they, they can linger and they're painful. Um, I, I, you know, so we don't know anything as of as of Thursday or excuse me, as of Wednesday, uh, he's questionable. Now, we will talk to, my, to Mike Rhodes again today. I believe that's well, you know, this podcast is coming on 11 o'clock for us. So by the time this is uploaded, uh, I might have already talked to Mike Rhodes this afternoon. We'll see if there's another update on uh, Marcus Evans. But uh, basically, the star player and the encore leader for VCU is uh, apparently 50 50 for this game. And you're at Spokes underscore Murphy on Twitter. So make sure that um, you follow Brian for all the latest on that. So um, this this obviously would bode well for UCF, I would imagine. But that said, um, VCU is still favored by, or excuse me, no, the line has changed. I beg your pardon. Oh, yeah, yeah no, that's, the line changed. Yeah, so. All the um, money's on UCF, right? What is it? At? Right now, UCF's well, at minus it's, two? It's minus one on oddshark.com. It depends okay. on where you look. But um, it opened at uh, it opened at UCF plus one. And so the line flipped. Right. And 62% of the money, this is, again, this is according to um, SB Nation's partners with Oddshark, uh, 62% of the money's on UCF with that injury. So, obviously, Vegas thinks that's pretty critical. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, again, he's huge for them on both sides of the floor. So, I, I understand why that line flipped two points. Yeah. So, uh, and this is a big opportunity, obviously, for UCF. Not just because they can get their first win in um, NCAA tournament history in their fifth trip, you know, first time as an at-large. But Eric Lopez, um, big TV crew. They're going to be playing in front of uh, Jim Nance, the A crew for CBS, Jim Nance, Grand Hill, Bill Raftery. Um, 9.40 p.m. approximate tip. Duke actually, they get a lead-in from Duke, which is good. The game yeah. will be on CBS. Um, and uh, in addition to that, I mean, let's, again, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you beat VCU, you will more than likely face the Duke Blue Devils in the prime game on Sunday afternoon. So, And I tweeted this out earlier. What, what, now looking back on it, like what a year of media coverage for UCF in the past, in the, in the past 15 months. It really has. If you go back to the football being on coasting college game day, UCF basketball being a part yeah. of college game day. Not just that, uh, but even you can go. You can even go back to the USF game uh, at UCF or at UCF on Black Friday. That I mean, the crazy game sure. that everyone was watching um, with the Mike Hughes kick return, and then the the Memphis game, and then the the beating Auburn, and then a year of national, a year plus really of national championship talk on all over the place. And now you know football this year, and now basketball it, getting those right. prime slots on CBS, right? It's amazing that we could talk all we want about marketing campaigns and, and the cliches and this or that, but it's amazing when you win what how much coverage you get. Uh, and that's what's happened here. But UCF has had an incredible run of success across the board, and it's as a result, they've gotten a lot of coverage. I mean, I think – I really do believe I've watched the coverage this week. Uh, I think everybody's rooting for UCF to win this game. I think a lot of people want to root for this UCF-Duke game. Now, unfortunately, there is a negative side of it in that 
because uh, I've listened to some other, like the Ringer, for example, with Mark Titus and, uh, and Tate to do college basketball and others. A lot of people want to see Taco Fall guarding Zion Williamson. <laughs> and, I uh, don't. <laughs> they, Nothing against Taco, but they, I don't. <laughs> but they want to see that, like, collision, I guess. And that's what's kind of exciting. But, they, you know, you got the storyline with Johnny Dawkins, obviously one of the greatest Duke players. And, and what's fascinating about this is the ACC Network just recently announced that one of the first documentaries they're going to do when the ACC Network debuts is on Mike Krzyzewski on the recruiting class that saved Mike Krzyzewski and Duke, which includes Johnny Dawkins yep. in that class, in that recruiting class from 82, with uh, which included Jay Billis. So this is all a big deal. In fact, I just have this visual, guys. Here's my prediction. If UCF were to beat VCU, I think you're going to see UCF Duke highlights with Johnny Dawkins and Krzyzewski shaking hands in that documentary uh, come this fall. So, I mean, there's a lot on this. I mean, this is exciting. I mean, with Jim Nance, like you said, uh, who's, by the way, his first, I think one of his first Final Fours that he covered was when Johnny Dawkins was a player in the year 1986, I think it was, when he went to the Final Four. Uh, and, and basically, if you look at the numbers, how the first round and second round games do, this will be easily, potentially, the most watched UCF basketball game of all time locally and nationally when you if they especially if they beat vcu that duke game could easily get up to as many as nine million viewers to 10 million viewers that's like right up in the fiesta bowl against baylor range that's what we're talking about here which is unbelievable for basketball uh from an exposure standpoint and it's funny because i've ran into some fans that are bummed out because they don't have they think they have no chance against duke and i'm like who cares (laughs) you're you're first of all they're gonna tip it off and play if any sport, March Madness has shown that anything could happen, and number three, and the exposure you're going to get from that game is just going to be remarkable. If you get there, now they got to get there first against VCU, which I think is, you know, that night that's going to be a tight game. I still believe possessions are going to be at a really valuable. Turnovers is a key stat, and I think rebounding is a key stat uh, for both sides on this because neither team is really the greatest in shooting the basketball from the three point line. But then again, neither is Duke, by the way. So. Uh, this is kind of like old school basketball in a lot of ways where neither th- these teams really depend on the three point shot like other teams do. Yeah. I mean, this is it, it's it'll be an intriguing matchup for sure. I mean, obviously, like you said, though, assuming we get there, I mean, there's still a game that's expected to be tight. Uh, let me ask you guys just real quick rapid fire before we get to women's um, prediction. I'm going to put you guys on the spot prediction for the VCU game. Uh, Eric, I'll start with you. I got them beating VCU. I think it's a close game. Uh, you know, I think first to 60 wins. I think it's like a 60 to 54 type game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got UCF winning that game and then unfortunately losing to Duke. But I think they'll be re- I think they will be respectable in the Duke game. I don't think that's a blowout in any uh, at all. I think it's about an eight to ten point game there against Duke. I think Dick would pull away. So that's kind of how I see this going. Murph, I uh, will. I think the over under for the VCU game is like one twenty six and a half. It's one of the lowest over unders on the board for the first round of the tournament. Yep, one twenty six and a half. Yeah, I will go a little over uh, and say seventy sixty three UCF. Uh, I, I think they'll be able to beat the press a little bit as long as they don't turn it over. Really, the, the big thing for UCF is not turning the ball over against that that pressure. That's yeah. if they yeah. do that. If they do that, they're going to win this game. All right, unless they have like a a like catastrophically bad shooting night, you know, something that's really an outlier. If they just don't turn the ball over, they're going to win this game. 
And then as we said in our in our emergency podcast, quote unquote emergency podcast on Sunday, when we, we talked about this game at length, so you should go back and listen to that podcast uh, for more on this VCU game. The, the, the good thing about playing Duke is that you're playing Duke. That's the <laughs> right. good part. So, like, relish that. And I do I do think that UCF will probably lose that game by, I would say, 15. Uh, but that's, again, that's, that's probably going to be below the number. I, th- I think the number for that game is probably going to be above 15. So uh, there's no shame in that. Plus, it's a one-game situation. You never know. We've seen stranger stuff happen. So... Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of the NCAA tournament. What if I told you, Murph, that 56% of the money was on the under? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, these teams don't shoot very well. And uh, UCF you know, obviously runs very slow. And, uh, you know, at VCU, if they don't get in the paint, if they don't get in the paint, they don't score. They don't shoot very well at all. And uh, so that's where UCF has an advantage with the matchup. So, right. um, you know, yeah, I get it. But I, I just think maybe, you know, I, I, they, I, I'm guessing – It'll be over, but what do I know? I should say also, you know, if UCF fans want to feel a little optimistic, if you go on, like, the Yahoo national bracket and the ESPN national bracket, CBS as well, uh, and they'll basically give you an amalgamation of what all the brackets, like like the percentage of people who are picking that team to win, you, UCF is usually around 50, 56, 57, 58% of the picks uh, for this game. So most people in the nation think UCF's going to win this game. Now, do they think UCF's going to win, or do they want UCF to win to see Zion possibly dunk on Taco Fall? I don't know, but the fact is that people are picking UCF majorly to win this game. All right. Well, we'll be again. It's an approximately no, they want to see the storyline. They want to see the yeah. Dawkins uh, yeah. storyline. Yeah. That's also part Duke. of it. Uh, and I think something that I'm going to be curious, Murph, because you're going to be there, and I know you're going to tweet about this. I, how many UCF fans will be there? Yeah. And I also wonder, for example, in the VCU game. How many Duke fans stick around to root for Johnny Dawkins? I mean, Johnny Dawkins is, by the way, one of the greatest players of all time in college basketball. He's one of the great Dukies. His number is up in the rafters at Duke yep. there. Uh, he's looked on very favorably there. So I, I I wonder if that will be a pro-UCF crowd, which might sound surprising considering VCU is actually closer to South Carolina. Or maybe it's not. I don't know how the... No, the, no the, I, 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 think you're, I think you're right about that because we've seen that you know, before with um, with a couple of, the, but yeah, I, I do think that it will probably be a pro UCF crowd with with Johnny there. With you, you know, with those Duke fans making the trip down from the Triangle, um, and and supporting their their favorite son. You know, I, I don't see I don't see why not. I think that would be um, it's good for UCF. The more people <laughs> cheering for UCF in the building, the better, <laughs> regardless of who they cheer yeah. for regularly. So approximately 9.40 p.m. tip. It'll be one of the last games on Friday of the first round. Um, and, uh, yeah, Jim Nance, Grand Hill, Bill Raftery on CBS. So that should be By the um, way, last year, A&M and North Carolina in the Sunday block in the second round, mm-hmm. nine and a half million viewers. Think about it. You could have potentially up to nine million viewers watching UCF basketball on a Sunday after a few million that's, people watching on a Friday night. That's up there uh, with the bowl games that we've had the last couple of years. Yeah, it would destroy anything that they've watched in the regular season. That's how significant this tournament is, and that's how why it's so big that they got into the tournament uh, and that's why I think they're in, they're in a great spot here, and hopefully they represent themselves well, which I think they will. Free throw shooting is a concern, Murph. I will point that out. It, it, there is that's the other way they could lose this game is if they they have one of those games where they just can't make a free throw. That will be you my want, other concern. You want the stupidest stat in the world? Yes. Yes. I love stupid UC, stats. 
UCF is shooting it's somewhere like 330 like among the 353 353 teams in division 1 UCF is like around 330 and free throw shooting we know they're bad whatever their opponents their opponents for some reason are shooting the third worst rate of any team in D1 <laughs> Uh, th- th- there's, bad free throw really no shooting is contagious. <laughs> there's really no explanation for this, but as bad as you think UCF's free throw shooting is, their opponent's free throw shooting per game is almost the worst in the nation. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, you know what's funny? When they've been successful, one of the things, even though UCF has struggled from the free throw line, one thing they have done is they make, they've gotten to the free throw line a lot, and a lot of that yeah. is because people foul Taco Fall a lot, but they've, there's been a majority of the games this year UCF has actually made more free throws than their opponent has actually attempted. So yeah. they've been very good in winning that free throw battle, which ironically, Johnny Dawkins, uh, that's something that Mike Krzyzewski's philosophy is as well at Duke. Uh, okay. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But that's a, great, that's a great stat. I love that. Yeah, so we'll be seeing how that goes on Friday night. Now, before you tune into the men's game on Friday night, segue, the women are playing at 7 o'clock, by the way. So we talked about how busy it was. Well, guess what? UCF women's basketball is uh, is a 12th seed and uh, got into the tournament. And by the way, you guys were there with them at the watch party for the uh, bracket reveal, which ended up being, well, <laughs> let's just say that things did not quite go according to plan on um, Monday. So... We it was start- a cluster. It was a cluster blank, Jeff. Yes, it was, it was a, a blank. it was a cluster indeed. Uh, so, apparently, mid afternoon around three thirty three forty five on ESPNU, word started getting around on Twitter that the women's basketball bracket had been leaked accidentally by ESPN on their not their bottom line, but on the the graphic that they put on the side where they show like you know four matchups at a time. And uh, and lo and behold, uh, that turned out to be correct. It, it made its way around uh, around Twitter pretty quickly, and it, it within an hour and a half, ESPN decided, you know what, we're just going to reveal the bracket because everyone we blew it. Um, and it turns out that yes, UCF was in the bracket. They are a 12 seed, first at large bid in school history. Um, they are playing the number five seed, Arizona State. In the Coral Gables sub-regional in the first round, Miami and Florida Gulf Coast are playing in the other side of that. A tip-off is scheduled for Friday uh, at 7 p.m. down at Coral Gables at what they used to call the Convocation Center. Now they call it the Watsco Center. But um, so, yeah, Arizona State is uh, 20 and 10 on the season, making their sixth appearance in the NCAA. Um, neither of these teams uh, are, are six consecutive appearance in the NCAA's, I should say. Um, it, well, let's go back to Monday first because like, this was just so weird. We have the reaction from Coach Abe and from KK Wright. You guys were there and talked to him. I mean, yeah, me and Murph got a chance to talk to Coach Abe and KK Wright, which will play their uh, their reaction there in this bizarre day. Unfortunately. Uh, it was one of those things where by the time we got there, we all knew what was going on. So that was a little strange. But it was uh, nonetheless still a lot of joy there. Still a yeah. lot of joy. Well, it, it kind of took away the uh, the drama because – and and the it, it kind of took away the drama and some of the power of the reaction because, you know, mm-hmm. as it turned out, they kind of barely snuck in, right? Well, I, if you want to believe that. 
As a 12 uh, seed, I, that's lower than we thought. I mean, this okay. team had an RPI of... Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Yeah, 12 well, seed. Right. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, this team had an... Uh, let's put it this way. This team had an RPI of... In the top 15, in 26 yes. and 26 and 6, and they seed him 12th? What's up with that? I You want me to give you the answer? Yes. Or, yeah, okay. It, they were determined, and I believe, and I said this in last week's episode. Yeah, I had a feeling they were going to be placed in Coral Gables no matter what, even if that meant dropping a seed or two, which is, I think, what happened here. I don't believe they were truly the last team in the field. I believe they were going to be in the field all this time, but they were going to put them in in Coral Gables because the committee of women's basketball has decided to follow the page or take a page out of softball, take a page out of soccer and volleyball and regionalize this sport. And so one of the things they've done is, if you notice, they have three teams in the state of Florida playing in Coral Gables with Arizona State. I would have believed that UCF was the last team in if, let's say, they were a 12 seed in, like, uh, you name me another region there, like Spokane or something. Yeah, okay. Then I would buy it. But the fact that they're in Coral Gables is laughable. I think they they did that just to make it fake drama. That's what I call this. All this women's basketball stuff, and I'm kind of partly glad they got leaked because I thought the committee is typical incompetence, and I think it was a shameful <laughs> thing they've done because I think they've created fake drama for no reason. They created that stupid debatable eight drama, which is idiotic. And wow, what a shocker. Tennessee got in. Let's see. They haven't missed an NCAA tournament in women's basketball ever. Shocking that they got in. And then they try to pull this little drama about UConn being a two seed, but they get to play Louisville and Albany. So give me a break. What a joke. What a <laughs> joke. Hope your speakers at, uh, aren't and earphones aren't smoking from that hot take. Uh, let's Let's go ahead and uh, and listen to uh, Coach Abe and KK Wright um, discussing uh, the team's at-large bid. Well, Coach, uh, your reaction there getting into the NCAA tournament, first time for the program since 2011. Yeah, I mean, I think it's wonderful. I'm so elated that especially our seniors get to continue to play and get that opportunity to be in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they, the four of them have really, the four that have been with us the whole time for three years, I mean, have really, um, you know, set the foundation for this program, and now they get to really go out as seniors, you know, in the NCAA tournament. And so I'm really excited for them that they get to enjoy this opportunity. As a 12 seed, though, you've got to like also staying in state, playing down south. Yes, but I would like to, like, go someplace else and play somebody different, you know what I mean? But I think they do that a lot for storylines, and they do that, um, you know, maybe to keep the families able to come to the games and stuff so I think it's great for you know especially all the Florida schools. Um, I was very happy um, this is a great accomplishment for my teammates and I and my coaches we haven't been here for our program so it's the first in our history so we're really excited and we're thrilled to you know be here and playing in Florida so I'm very excited to be in the NCAA tournament. All right that was Coach Abe and then uh, KK Wright talking about by the way um, UCF or, or UCF is an eight and a half point underdog in this game against Arizona State. Ooh. What do we make of that? Where did you wait? First of all, where do you find women's this is, basketball? This is uh, this is at five dimes. <laughs> this is some offshore. Listen, listen, it was the it, it's it's uh, its domain is .eu. So yeah, of make course. of that what you will. It was the top search yeah. results. <laughs> wow. Yeah, 
I'm that's just saying. Right. I'm just saying. This you know. is, so, this is, so this here, is that, that, that's the site of the degenerates degenerate. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you have to, yeah, if you have to go... Yeah, if you have to go that far to find it, I mean, you know, that's that, 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 you are that's what, impressive, Jeffrey. I'm in, I'm impressed. You really it is what it is. Fun. Yeah. So I could tell you this. I could tell you this. Having talked to the coaching staff, and and we've talked about in nauseum in the past on this uh, podcast about seeding. Do you benefit from being you know in the a ten in the nine in the men's scene and all that? I think the women benefited greatly from being a twelve in women's. Ba- I'd rather be a twelve in women's basketball than say be a nine or a ten. Where you're playing a top two seed, uh, I think they got a pretty good draw. When Arizona State has to travel all the way to Florida, uh, I, you know, who knows how many Arizona State fans will actually travel to Coral Gables. Yeah. Um, and I'll give you this little nugget that one of the coaching staff members told me and reminded me about this, which is great. If you recall, Coach Abe prior to UCF was at Albany mm-hmm. in 2016. Albany played in a regional as a 12 seed against number five seed Florida in Syracuse. Now, Jeffrey, you went to school in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. How, is, can you bus from Albany to Syracuse? Wouldn't you say that's a similar bus trip to kind of, oh, I don't know, it's Orlando about, to Coral Gables? It's about a two and a half hour bus trip. Yeah. And Albany knocked off Florida 61 to 59 in the Carrier Dome uh, and beat Florida and upset them uh, in a 12 versus 5 matchup. That's the same coaching staff. And now here they are a few years later at UCF as a 12 seed against Arizona State, a 5 seed. Very similar setting, similar situation with this staff. So I think they're deep down, they're actually happy to be a 12 seed. They've had experience here. And, you know, they can, I think they can make, they think they're, I think they're confident enough if they play well, they can at least beat Arizona State and, you know, probably take their chances against Miami and Florida Gulf Coast. It's not like those teams are unbeatable. So um, it wouldn't shock me if UCF somehow got to the Sweet 16 with the way they play defense, with the size they have. The big question is going to be they haven't been here before. These players haven't been here before. So how do the players react to this? I think will be very interesting. But I think the fact they're going to stay in state is going to help them from a nerve standpoint and all that. Don't you think, Murph? Yeah, I mean, you're you're basically you're not in your own bed, but it's comforting to be in your home state. I know the players love it. I mean, parents get to come down too, you know. Yeah, I mean, they they want their families to be there, and I don't think Arizona State's families are, you know, maybe a couple of the higher ups, but uh, most of their fan base and their families can't make it down to Miami or Coral Gables area, so it's great for UCF. And so, yeah, I think, like you said, they have a, I would say, a pretty good shot here because of the proximity and that that sort of that. That sort of uh, familiar, familiar surroundings, that comfort of staying in state with your, with more people supporting you in the stands. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think the 12 seed and the the gap between the seeds is uh, not something that I really care about because it really UCF is probably more of a 10. <laughs> I, I would, I would say this note, uh, a little key note here. Two key UCF players are actually from South Florida. Kayla Figpens from West Palm Beach. She's a senior. She went to Palm Beach Lakes High School. Another senior, Jamisha Paul from Pompano Beach, Dillard High School, not too far away. By the way, uh, Jamisha on senior day, she had a spectacular number of family and friends with her at that game. There must have been like 40 people um, at that game with Jamisha Paul's shirts on. So I imagine that they would be making the the rather short trip uh, or shorter trip down to Coral Gables for the game. You also get uh, Ty Willis is also from Miramar, which is... um, not too far away of course 
Brittany Smith is from Orlando. Nye Schuler is from Orlando. Um, Diamond Battles from Winter Haven. And, of course, KK Wright from Orlando. So that's a three-hour drive for their folks. Um, there should be some. Uh, th- there should be quite a few UCF people, I think, in the stands um, for that game. Arizona State, interestingly enough, they finished the season ranked in the top 25. Um, lost to UCLA in their, um, in their last game in the uh, Pac-12 tournament in Las Vegas. Um, after having beaten uh, Colorado, but uh, one common opponent for both teams was Arizona was Tulsa. Uh, Arizona State defeated Tulsa seventy to fifty two, but that was all the way back on December the second. So um, they are one of the better uh, scoring defenses um, in the country and in the I think they were second in the or first in the Pac twelve in scoring defense um, overall. So this is t- two kind of similar styles for these two teams. It should be a very defensive right. game. Um, the over under, I think it was in the hundred and tens. Oh but, my goodness! Yeah, so great over unders in women's hoops only here on the banner. Hey, hey, listen, <laughs> we're gonna be in, we're gonna be informed here. You're gonna listen to us. You're gonna be informed even more so that you want. So, so, uh, so here's your viewing plan for uh, Friday night. Wow. You're gonna have the women at seven, and I, I, I would imagine that's gonna be on ESPN. At the very least, it's gonna be on ESPN three. Where you can watch ESPN two. It's uh, supposed to be on ESPN two. It is regional coverage, so it okay. depends on what region you're in. It's this is not a national. It's not like the men's where it's a single game. It's right. Uh, it is well. It's regional, like the so old. Would, it's the old way CBS used to do the men's tournament, where you could. Yeah, that's that's a good way. Before before it went to Turner and True TV and and all that is like they would have regional coverage, but the only college basketball game would be on CBS, and then they would bounce around at halftime or whatever. But um, but yeah, it's kind of like the old way. But we should we should be getting that game on ESPN two um, at seven o'clock, and that's the first game of the session, I think. So um, in, the evening, in the evening session, yeah, yeah. They, have, so, they have afternoon session uh, as far as the, across the country. But you're right, first right. game in the Coral Gables game. Yep. And then when you get out of that, you probably have a, probably have a few minutes before the men start in case the Duke game runs long, um, which it most likely will. Uh, 9.40, 9.40 scheduled tip. It'll probably be, I mean, they might be pushing 10 o'clock by the time that game gets underway. So um, that's your... Let me, let me ask you, because it, it, uh, Danny White even referenced this when on Sunday when mm-hmm. the, uh, on the watch party for the men and stuff. He wanted to go to both games. Um, and he wanted, he was actually prepared to fly back and forth. He cannot do that at least Friday because they're playing in the same day. To me, I've said this for years. I think the women's basketball needs to separate themselves by a week a couple of weeks from the men's season kind of like what softball does with baseball and soccer does it's just it's it's nobody's unfortunately you're gonna get lost here uh to go head to head with men's basketball is insane to me just insane uh no wonder gino flips out on the media but it just uh, it's just unfortunate (laughs) because they should be getting more attention but they're not because they're going to be on the same night as the men i mean that's just reality well, I think it used to be that they would go Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then they moved it to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Is that right? Yes, that's yeah, correct. So, yes. um, I mean, I don't know. It's going to get lost in the shuffle one way or the other. I don't know if you can shorten the season all that much. but Well, I'm just um, saying, if you like, if the women were to start the tournament during the last week or so of the regular season in men's basketball, I think you would gain more of an attraction than literally going head-to-head against the biggest, most popular tournament in, in the United States. I mean, it's just is. 
I mean, it's tough from a media standpoint. I mean, me, we we will have we will have somebody out down there, but we're 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 freelancing it. So yeah. you know, let me play devil's advocate for you. Are you sure you want 50, you want eighty to thirty blowouts on national TV all over the place in the first round? You get to hide oh, the first round, other, and the ma- other and the matchups get better in the second round. Start getting better some at people, least. Well, some people would say the Sweet Sixteen. Real quick, I think we've talked about this all year, Jeffrey. Who is going to be the second score? Who's going to step into being that second or third score? Because you got to believe Arizona State defensively is going to focus on KK Wright, and that's my concern here. UCF has struggled, and they have teams have focused locked in on KK Wright. So, who's going to be that second? Is it going to be a McDonald? Is it going to be a Thigpen? Is it going to be who's going to be? They're going to need scoring from somebody else other than KK Wright to pull off this upset. Don't you agree? I agree. Yeah, I, I mentioned in our roundtable that Jeremy Brenner's been working. On, um, I I would like to see Sidney McDonald um, get get some run out here because um, she's been actually UCF's best three point shooter on a team that does not shoot threes. Um, and if K- and if teams are going to double KK, she's got to she's going to be open and she's got to be ready to knock down some open shots. She's been doing that in the latter part of the season. I want to see a little bit more of that driving kick game. I'd like to see Masni Kaba get involved down low and. Uh, and, and get Kayla Thigpen going also because you know I think when Kayla goes so goes uh, UCF so seven o'clock ESPN two the women on Friday the men at nine forty on CBS you have ever all the information now that you need um, going forward for this all right so speaking of television we're going to take a quick break when we get back we're going to talk with uh, or we're going to present our interview rather with Michael Smith of Sports Business Journal and Sports Business Daily talk about the American Athletic Conference's new TV contract with ESPN, and the three of us will break that down immediately afterwards. Stick around. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, and we're back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and uh, Brian Murphy with you as we uh, as we improvise a little bit here. Uh, moving well, not too much improvisation, but um, our interview today uh, on our show um, is. Uh, Probably one of the best that we've done in a while. So UCF and the American Athletic Conference um, at large uh, have uh, agreed to a new television contract with um, ESPN. It came out um, on uh, Tuesday. John Arand and Michael Smith of Sports Business Journal and Sports Business Daily broke the story. Uh, details were a little, kind of, I mean, we're, we pretty much got the 30,000 foot view of it from their story. But bottom line is it's a contract that, goes from 2020-2021 through 2031-2032, um, over $1 billion committed to the American uh, by ESPN. Uh, and that ups the yearly per school payout from approximately $2 million as it is now to $6.94 million per year. So a 250% approximate increase uh, over uh, over the years um going to use it there's no grant of rights uh so teams can come and go from the american without having to give up their uh television dollars for the length of the contract um it uh espn espn2 espnu the primary places for football basketball although there will be an increased presence of saturday games on abc which is good um also a significant portion of football games and uh, a majority of men's basketball games will be shown on ESPN 
Plus, which is ESPN's new standalone streaming service that's been met with some mixed reaction from UCF fans. But we talked with Michael Smith about the whole deal, uh, and we're going to break it down afterwards here in a little bit. But uh, here is uh, our interview with Michael Smith of Sports Business Journal and Sports Business Daily talking about the new American Athletic Conference TV contract. And joining us now, one of the guys who broke the story of the American Athletic Conference's uh, media deal with the ESPN family of networks, Michael Smith from Sports Business Journal and Sports Business Daily, joining us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Smitty, S-V-J-S-B-D on Twitter. How are you, Mike? Busy day yesterday, huh? It was a busy day and a lot of news coming out and uh, appreciate you having me to talk about it. We appreciate you taking time for us, man, because I know this was really complicated and a lot of UCF fans have been looking forward to this because they have an inordinate um, interest in the media deal with the uh, with the American. But the terms, uh, I'll, well, I'll just go over them just really quick. It's a 12-year contract. It starts in 2020-2021, so there's still one more year under the current contract. It goes through... 2031-2032, the American gets $83.3 million as a whole per year. So that works out to just under $7 million per year to each school. And that's up from about $2 million a year that each school is receiving. There's no grant of rights. Um, there's going to be more football on ABC. Um, and you guys also reported that there's going to be some football and a majority of basketball games going to ESPN Plus, along with the league's Olympic sports. So I guess our first question to you here is, let's pretend for a moment that I am, now I personally, I think this is a good deal, but let's pretend for a moment that I am cranky UCF fan and I'm upset that the American didn't get $10 million a year um, per school. Um, tell me why this, this was the, tell me why this is how it worked out for the American in terms of the market for its content. Well, there's a lot of layers to that. Uh, you know, first and foremost is the amount of money going to the schools. Mm-hmm. At uh, $7 million a year, that's not anywhere close to Power 5 money, like uh, like what you might see in the, in the SEC, which is you know, in the low $40 millions per school per year. Uh, at the same time, it's uh, you know uh, almost 4x compared to what they were making before. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, every conference wishes they had gotten a little bit more money. But uh, there's a couple of reasons why the American wanted to stay with ESPN. First and foremost, uh, the visibility and and exposure that comes with that, the ability to take all of their uh, content to ESPN+. Plus. I mean, if you think about it, what the American's going to have on ESPN+, Plus is basically like having a conference network. It's not going to be branded that way. It's going to be branded ESPN Plus, but essentially all the content that the Americans going to be able to put on ESPN Plus is very similar to to the amount of live content that you might see on an SEC network or an ACC network. So beyond that, there are some intangibles also with being with ESPN. Most of the Americans' uh, bowl tie-ins are with ESPN-owned bowls. ESPN also owns a lot of basketball tournaments, especially around the holidays. That uh, that where they can offer spots to teams from the American, uh, but if if I'm a UCF fan, I'm thinking I'm probably thinking mostly about what it means for the future of the program 
and it, it there is there's enough of an increase there to to be able to comfortably pay coaches and to probably add to the staff at the same time it's not anywhere near enough to make you think twice if the big 12 does come calling mm -hmm. yeah and there's no grant of rights in this deal which i think a lot of ucf fans look at and say well that's good because that enables ucf if they do get the call to go to another conference and basically pay no essential financial i mean obviously there could be some legal wrangling here and there if that does come to pass but how serious it, that was floated a few months ago. How serious was that grant of rights talk, and did it really, or was it basically a non-starter when it got floated? No, it was discussed in detail. I mean, we've been covering this story since late November, early December, when it uh, first became uh, known to us that the grant of rights was on the table and the American was exploring the possibility of that. Primarily, well, for two reasons. The grant of rights would have kept the conference together long-term. And secondly, it would have uh, increased the rights fee coming from ESPN because ESPN would pay more to have that stability of knowing that UCF and Cincinnati and Memphis and Houston and, and those blue-chip schools in the conference are going to stay in the conference, and mm. they're making that commitment. So... The hope was to be able to get maybe something closer to $10 million per school uh, in, in, in that case, but uh, obviously they wound up closer to seven without the grant of rights, and so that, that's just the trade-off. And, and, uh, but no, those, those conversations were real. They were going on in, in, uh, uh, in detail in December, especially up in uh, New York the week of the National Football Foundation banquet up in New York, which is a big week for college football and where all the athletic directors and commissioners are together. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, we kind of followed it as the uh, grant of rights was was discussed and then eventually discarded as a, as a possible outcome. Uh, did the American Conference, there's been some chatter about who has leverage and who doesn't. Anytime these type of deals happen... And this was an exclusive window of the negotiations. Had the American let that expired and taken this elsewhere, was there a market for the American Conference? Because I've heard things like Fox would, would not have been interested uh, because you know they, they they just let go of the Big 12 title game, the rights to that. Uh, CBS, I, I I heard you know they just invested in the Alliance in that football league, and the Mountain West contract is coming up, and that hasn't gone well. W would they have had a, a market out there, or was really ESPN? the only viable option for the American? Well, you know, that's a great question because what's, what's happening in the media landscape now is you have ESPN a, as a willing spender because they're trying to build up ESPN Plus as, as, a, as a really viable streaming uh, business. And so they're out there spending money with, with conferences outside the Power Five in order to increase the amount of content they can deliver uh, on, on that platform. Now, Fox, you're exactly right. Fox pulled out of a, a deal where it, it, it gave up three Big 12 championship football games, and they they proclaimed to be in a more reasonable spending posture right now. Um, there doesn't seem to be a desire from CBS. I think there's some desire from NBC, but it has to be the right deal. Um, yeah, I... I I think Mike Oresco did the right thing, taking what he had, uh, taking the opportunity that was in front of him to stay with ESPN. And you know, there there 
are some conferences that are looking at alternative ways to to uh, distribute their their live content through you know like conference usa i think has four different partners the mountain west has had multiple partners you know uh the american liked the idea of having all of its games on you know one network you, you know when you're going to look for the ucf game it's going to be on espn or espn 2 most likely and you know if you're going for going to find a UCF baseball game, it's going to be on ESPN Plus. There's no searching. There's no wondering is it on or what platform it's on, and to need a subscription or whatever. You you know what you're getting into with ESPN Plus, and so there's uh, some you know there's some stability that comes with that. No question about that, and. Uh, you know Dana White and UFC they just redid their deal with uh, ESPN plus and having their pay-per-views there and it's been a big boost for UFC and ESPN and that's been promoted across uh, the platforms what is the what is the what's your thoughts on ESPN plus since it's kind of launched and how it's doing uh, they've got content in there they're grabbing content uh, they have sports now like UFC and boxing they're adding the American which is to date right now their best package as far as college uh, conference is concerned and they i'm sure they're going to try to add more uh and they have other programming what's what's the because i think a lot of reaction has been wait a minute we're moving content into espn plus subscription so kind of tell the audience that may not be familiar about espn plus and and then what's kind of the vision there well it kind of makes me laugh when you know a, a lot of the uh, reaction on twitter is espn plus no no way i, I gotta pay for it now it's five dollars a month right I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> I've been a subscriber since ESPN Plus launched. My my school, uh, my alma mater is Appalachian State. They're in the Sunbelt Conference. The Sunbelt Conference has all their games, like the American, on ESPN and ESPN Plus. And I know that when I want to go watch an App State baseball game on a Saturday afternoon, it's going to be on ESPN Plus. And I've, I, just as a subscriber just like any of your listeners, I found you know, there to be pretty good value. I'm, I'm not into UFC. I don't watch any of the boxing. I don't watch any of the international soccer. But I want to I be able to watch my school. And, you know, if you think about it from the standpoint of, like, long-tail economics, there's probably enough uh, subscribers out there like that or potential subscribers out there that, where they just want to see their school play and they're probably willing to you know come up with five dollars a month that uh, that it's worthwhile I mean there there's no there's no greater business initiative at ESPN right now than ESPN plus it is the most important thing they're working on it's a, a topic of conversation in every negotiation that ESPN is having and my my feeling is probably that if ESPN is putting this much heft behind it, that it's it's probably gonna it's probably gonna go pretty well. You know what's interesting about that, Mike, and you brought it up. You know, UCF right now and the American they split their their games between the ESPN family and CBS Sports Network. And I want to ask you about CBS in a second. But you know, I'm a cord cutter myself. All right, and I subscribe to YouTube TV. Um, I used to be on PlayStation View. I had to pay an extra ten dollar five or ten dollars a month, I forget what it was, to get the sports tier just to get CBS Sports Network. So there's that amount. Plus if I want UCF Olympic sports, which I do, I'm also paying 
$7.99 a month to UCFnights.tv, which is run through New Lion. So by being able to subscribe to ESPN Plus for just $5 a month, I'm getting all that extra stuff and actually saving money in the long term. So, And the other thing, too, that is that it's not just $5 a month. It's also, if you subscribe annually, it's $50 for the year, which is actually a discount of $10 from the monthly price, too. So, you know, so they're looking at this from, I think, also from a cord-cutting perspective where the American is diving in first with this. Well, I wouldn't say first because, like you said, the Sun Belt and some of the other conferences, but they're the biggest conference to really do this, right? Absolutely, they are, and and the American was really, really important because it's the you know except for the Big Twelve, it's the biggest conference out there that did not have a conference network. Right, and so you know th- this was ESPN's best opportunity to get, like I said, to get blue chip schools like UCF and Cincinnati, Memphis, Houston, and so on, and to get their content. And you know what? What else is important here is that when you know the the American has produced obviously some very compelling storylines over the last few years. If you look at obviously UCF's football winning streak, mm-hmm. Houston basketball going thirty one and three, uh, the the whole Penny Hardaway thing at Memphis, there there are some compelling stories coming out of this league on a pretty consistent basis now. And ESPN will own those stories because they've got all the content. And so that that's that's what they're about. Right. They're you know they consider themselves the leader in college sports, and uh, and this certainly adds to it. You know something else to watch, you know, outside of the American with the Big Twelve, is that that conference does have about fourteen football games and about sixty men's basketball games that don't have a consistent home. And and I would imagine that when their deal comes up, that ESPN Plus is going to be a, a factor in those conversations. Interesting. Go ahead, Eric. And by the way, Kansas. By the way, Kansas. I believe their basketball game. Some of their basketball games are already on ESPN Plus. Um, that's not nationally televised. So I, I think that's a, a, a great point to expand. I want to ask you about two cha- the CBS Sports Network and ESPN News. And, and if you want to throw ESPN U, that's fine. Because those are, I've kind of stated since this came out that I feel like the majority of those games that the American used to have on those channels will now be on ESPN Plus. And some people, you know, and, and Jeff brought up how you get up to CBS Sports Network. Just tell the audience about what is the what, how's the outlook on CBS Sports Network, how it's doing and moving forward. And ESPN News, what are they going to do with that channel? Because there's been speculation about whether that channel, you know, becomes like ACC Network. Do they get dumped? It? Do they? get rid of the channel they turn it into something else what what can you tell us about those channels in the future because i think some people might be surprised that those channels don't bring in the viewers and the exposure that they think it does yeah i'll be honest with you i don't have a lot of insight on those two networks you know espn news is a great uh gives espn a great position of flexibility because a lot of times if a game is running long they can start the next game on espn news and kind of kind of direct viewers from one channel to another so that they don't miss any of the game that they want to watch the most. I don't uh, I've heard some of the same things you've heard about ESPN News becoming the ACC Network. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Um, and CBS Sports Network is uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say they have a lot of great premium content except maybe for you know, Navy football is uh, in the past has been pretty strong except for last season. 
um, but they they do have a, a lot of content. It's just not the the premium, you know, Power Five content that we're used to seeing. But you know, with that cable network, they can do some things like uh, uh, show show some uh, uh, older games, older SEC games that uh, that CBS has the rights to, and so that mm-hmm. that gives them a little additional programming. But uh, I can't really say that there are many examples out there where CBS Sports Network has been a, a major factor in negotiations for, for premium college sports content. All right, two quick – oh, go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. Well, and I just want to expand, too, is, you know, going back to the ESPN Plus and all the, the basketball and the football and the Olympic sports, uh, I believe – I understand it. I think this, they would – basically ESPN's paying the schools to produce it in a lot of ways, kind of like SEC Network. You know, when you go watch SEC Network Plus, uh, it's very produced by the universities. Those schools—is that the—is that kind of what we're going to see here as well in this deal, where a lot of schools can produce those or sell the the production to a company locally and produce a lot of those games? Well, every athletic department now is essentially a media entity, uh, especially in the Power Five. If you have a conference network, you you have the wherewithal to produce live events and often multiple live events at the same time. There, you know, most of the schools now have three or four control rooms. They have the ability to to uh, run video from not only their football and basketball video boards, but also soccer video boards and baseball video boards out at those venues. So any any school that's not you know, producing their own live content or have that ability is is getting left behind these days because behind you know facilities and coaches salaries uh, you know media equipment like control rooms and HD cameras and that sort of thing is one of the biggest expenses that athletic departments have now but so uh, you know like we talked about before the you know the arrangement with ESPN plus being like an SEC network uh, the schools will be able to produce their own content, um, and there is some income that comes from that with, uh, you know, from ESPN Plus on that. Right, and UCF has been doing that for a while th- uh, now through uh, their UCFNights.tv channel, which I would guess is, you know, them and probably a lot of the other schools in the American that do so sort of in a Big 12 third tier type atmosphere that's going to go away and go to ESPN plus two quick questions and then we'll get you out of here because I know how busy you are um, first thing is going to be a, is going to be a short question you and John mentioned in your article that football along with men's and women's basketball were retaining ESPN ESPN 2 and ESPN U but the majority of basketball games and a significant number of the football games will go to ESPN plus when you say significant number do you kind of have an idea of like what sort of percentage would that be because they're not going to put you know Tulsa and Tulane on every uh every one of their games on ESPN plus they're going to want to put some marquee games occasionally on there no for yeah for sure um my understanding is that the number of football men's basketball games on on uh, ESPN ESPN2 ESPNU will be very similar to what it's been in the past Mm -hmm. uh the the so we're talking about uh, non-conference games against lesser opponents, uh, maybe um, games earlier in the season. That's what I'm thinking about when I think of football and basketball games going to ESPN Plus. Okay. I don't think I don't think for the most part that fans will notice a significant difference in the the amount of exposure the American is getting on 
the primary ESPN, ESPN2 platforms. Gotcha. And then the last question for you, and you can expand on this as much or as little as you like. It seems like with the American, you know, the cloud of conference expansion and realignment is always sort of hanging over not somewhere around the horizon. Um, this is a long deal. It goes through 2031, 2032. Seven million a year is one thing now, but it's another thing, you know, in, in the 2030s. Um if you're a fan of UCF, Houston, USF, um, you know Memphis, Cincinnati, some of those brands in the American that have flirted with conference expansion before, be it with the Big 12 or whatever else may come down the road, what's the time frame that you're looking at and what's the, what are going to be some of the signs that we see that the expansion machine is starting to crank back up again? Well, the, the first indicator uh, to me is going to be this time period of 2022, 23, 24, when the uh, Big Ten, Big 12, and Pac-12 all have their TV rights come up for renewal. Mm -hmm. Typically, if you you know if you, if you look at it historically, the, uh, the most of the college realignment has happened either before or during TV talks. And that's because conferences are trying to enhance their value. They go to the negotiating table. They sit there with the different parties that are, that are bidding. They don't like, you know, what they're hearing in terms of value. Mm -hmm. Well, if we go add school X, does that how much does that increase our value versus one more mouth to feed uh, at, at the conference membership table? So, you know, I, I think. Mike Oresco and the American are to be applauded for, for getting this deal done. But you got to remember, we're just a couple years away from, from the Power 5 schools going back to the table to get more money for their deals. And we, we always talk about the haves and the have-nots in college athletics. So, you know, the haves, when they go back to the table, the, the Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, they're going to get more money. And that's going to that's going to widen the gap even further between the Power Five and those outside the Power Five. And you know, the Americans just right in between there. They they certainly are um, a notch above the other conferences in, in the group of five. They're they're a long way, especially if, you know if you if you count it financially, they're a long way from the Power Five. And so I don't know that this deal does anything to close that gap at all. But at the same time, it was, you know, probably about as good as they could do, uh, given where we are in, in the current landscape. I think you're absolutely right about that. And we'll have to see how it works out. I'm, I personally am excited to see, you know, more, uh, more UCF and American sports from a quantity perspective on ESPN Plus, because, you know, we cover the Olympic sports quite a bit as well. And those are always fun to watch and we think the American has a pretty good product on that so alright Michael Smith from Sports Business Journal and Sports Business Daily how can folks get in touch with you Mike well uh, probably the best way is on Twitter at uh, Smitty SBJ SBD and uh, we're, our, uh, our magazine content is available online at sportsbusinessjournal.com yeah if you want to follow anything that's going on within the world of sports business and sports media business that's definitely where you want to go. And I believe you're also uh, contributing to a new uh, college sports business newsletter. Is that right? 
Yeah, we've we've launched a a couple of different newsletters this week. One is called SBJ Media, which runs Mondays and Wednesdays, and SBJ Colleges, which is a newsletter on Tuesday and Thursday. And so uh, those give us an opportunity to kind of take the news of the day and then uh, do some analysis, put it in context, try to add some perspective. It's not really a hot take of the day. It's not... Uh, it's not intended to be a lot of opinion, but it's more so uh, just an opportunity to to add some perspective to the news that's already out there. Yeah, leave the hot, you guys leave the hot takery to guys like me and Eric. Thanks, Mike. We really uh, we really appreciate your time and your uh, and your tremendous insight. Um, stay in touch. Definitely a tremendous follow. Smitty SBJ SBD for all the latest from Sports Business Journal and Sports Business Daily. Michael Smith. Thanks, Mike. You guys do a great job. I appreciate you having me. Thanks again to Mike for his uh, insight. And once again, a reminder, don't forget to follow him at Smitty, SBJ, SBD on uh, Twitter. All right, Eric Lopez and Brian Murphy, what do we make of this television contract? Um, based on the details that we got from you know Mike, I mean, this is ESPN Plus basically becomes the de facto American uh, American you know, TV contract or TV network. Um, and, uh, and I know there's a lot of fans that are going to be like, great. Now I got to pay for this extra thing. But first of all, you're already paying for one giant paywall with your cable bill. And, uh, and second of all, it's, you know, I mean, you can get ESPN plus for 50 bucks for the year and you get not just, you know, probably me, what, what one or two UCF football games a year, um, a lot, a bulk of the basketball games that you would see on like CBS Sports Network or ESPN, um, ESPN three, and you yeah, get the other like, sports like basic, too, right? Right, like it's right. It's like basically, it's the entire non-conference schedule for the most part. Like kind of all those UCF Bethune Cookmans and UCF Stetson games. Those right. are the games that are going to be on ESPN Plus. And I think for the football game, if I had to break down the football schedule, it'd probably be like the FAMU game. I mean. Right. I mean, those are the type of games we're talking about. Yes, you would throw in a, an occasional, yeah, some conference games like a UCF Tulsa game. I mean, that's just. Um, but I thought Michael brought it up pretty well. I mean, it's not like people have this idea like somehow they're going to lose all their coverage on ESPN, which is you know ridiculous. I mean, look at UFC and how it's benefited from being on ESPN Plus with ESPN. They're they're been promoted across the platform, and you know I think Michael brought it up. I mean, the biggest thing is the league wanted to be with ESPN. This is a win-win for everybody. For the league, they stay on ESPN, which is the network. That is the network. If you're a college program, if you're a college conference, you better if you better be associated with ESPN. Because if you're not, you're pretty much forgotten. Just ask Conference USA, the Mountain West, etc. So I think they benefit from that, that coverage. Uh, I think it's a lot easier now for fans to actually follow your favorite team. I think the big winners in this are baseball and softball and volleyball and soccer because they're going to get more coverage. You know, under the current system, if you're a baseball guy like Sam Unger, our good friend who uh, mm -hmm. watches UCF baseball, he's probably paying he's paying for UCF Knights TV to watch all the baseball home games. Then he's probably got to pay if he wants to watch video for certain at other school sites for certain road games like a Houston if they go to Houston you got to pay to watch those games if you got if you the early next later this year when they go to Wichita State you got to pay for that service um now in this new deal Sam only has to pay ESPN plus to watch all of those games uh you can even watch other teams in the league play 
Uh, so it's kind of like a network in a way, like Michael brought up, and they're getting more money. They're getting more money for all the schools, and they have now a structure. I know some people are caught off by the 12 years, but if you're the American, now you know that you're going to be around 12 years from now. Yeah. You don't know. We may not know which teams will be in there, but your league is stable, and that's the biggest thing. That And, and fans, I get it. They're biased towards their team and all that. Mike Oresco is not working for UCF. Mike Oresco is not working for USF. He's not work. He's working for the league, and his job is to make sure the league is flourishing right. and stable. And that's what they've accomplished with this TV deal. ESPN gets out of uh, gets a deal out of this in that they have more content on ESPN Plus, which, as Michael alluded to in the interview, is their no- most important thing they're working on right now. They want this to be big as far as the future of sports television. Yeah, and I think the schools benefit because they get what tr- triple money that they were getting, made close to quadruple, mm-hmm. and and they keep their flexibility of hey. If we decide to leave, maybe in five years, because another conference comes asking of interest, you can leave and not get penalized. So I think everybody gets something out of this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm glad you made that point. And Murph, I want to get to get to you in a second here, but um, I'm glad you made that point about Oresco because he takes such flack from from UCF fans, <laughs> unwarranted, unwarranted and, by people that are not educated. And, and, and the frankly. and the the fact remains, like you said, he doesn't work for just UCF. He works for the entire conference. And if UCF got a bid from the Big Twelve or whatever to leave tomorrow, guess what? Mike Oresco is still the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. And he has to look out for the interests Correct. of all of the schools that are there, including the Tulane's and Tulsa's, the teams that UCF fans like to hold up as examples of why are we in the same league as these schools. So, um, so that, that that's what he was able to do. And the fact that you know this league was on the verge of bankruptcy six years ago, um, and he saved it <laughs> um, and got them, you know, like you said, nearly a four x deal in its first contract cycle is is pretty remarkable. Murph, you're a you're a crotchety consumer of sports media. What did you think of this? <laughs> what where did that come from? <laughs> uh, no, I mean I feel I feel like this is uh, the immediate reaction was this is a win, right? Like this is kind of the dollar figure neighborhood that we were looking for people wanted like I think it was more cuz I was hearing 4 to 6 mil a year and they got 7. Yeah, and people wanted like 10 and that was just unfeasible. Now again, it doesn't, as far as financially, it doesn't really close the gap that much between, you know, the high-end power conference, you know, conferences and, uh, and and the American. But it's certainly a lot better than where you were. It's a lot better than where you were. It's a lot, and and ESPN Plus uh, is no joke. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's a flash in the pan. Certainly not its price or the content it offers. Um, I, I think it's going to stick around. So it's a good platform. Uh, it's a it's a great financial benefit. Uh, yeah, I mean, Eric, Eric, and you guys basically flushes out pretty well in the interview in here. Like, it, it's really there's really not much you can like nitpick and complain about with this thing. Yeah, well, ESPN Plus is not. Yeah, well, yeah, but ESPN Plus is not ESPN the phone. Let's put it that way. Um, no, I mean, it's, over, <laughs> it's already up to a million subscribers, and then as Michael brought up, they're gonna put they're gonna get more content in there, and this is gonna be bigger. And Jeff, I'll give you credit for this. You called this a few years ago. When you cut cord on your cable, this is the future. This is the mm-hmm. future. This everybody's going to go yeah. through the service of subscription. I mean, I, I'm beginning to wonder if, like, 20 years from now, we're really if, if a lot of people are going to have cable with technology well, the way it's going. I well, mean, I think what I think what you see now is 
ESPN and the networks recognize that, you know, the days of channel surfing are over. You know how you would channel surf like between ABC, ESPN, CBS, ESPN2 yeah. to try and find a game? People don't do that anymore. People are busy. They got stuff to do. And I saw some people compl- on UCF Twitter complaining about, uh, well, no, we won't get the casual viewer. There's no such thing as the casual viewer anymore. People watch their team, okay, and the marquee, and and also often but not always whatever marquee game there is. So if you're a college football fan, what are you watching? You're going to watch UCF, wherever they are, and then you're going to watch, you know, Ohio, fan, Ohio the, State the and Penn fan. State in prime time or whatever, Correct. if it's not across from UCF, where you watch you know, Miami, Florida State, whatever the big game is on Saturday night, or if it's an SEC game, the Saturday night, Saturday afternoon game on CBS. That's what people watch. People don't sit sit on their couches all day long on Saturday and channel surf to see whatever game is on. It doesn't happen anymore. No, because you can watch whatever you want. You don't even, even if you're not, if you're not a sports fan, you don't have to watch sports nowadays. It used to be that you had no choice. You had to watch what was on TV, but that's not the case. The casual fan is not tuning in to watch UCF play Florida A&M in football. They're tuning in to watch UCF maybe play Cincinnati on ABC on a primetime game with Fowler and Herbstreit. That's when the casual fan. The casual fan's not going to tune in to watch UCF play Stetson on basketball or play Tulsa in March. They're tuning in to watch UCF play VCU on CBS. That's why UCF's numbers will more than double by a game in the NCAA tournament. It's not because all of a sudden – you know, uh, fans, it's easier to find the channel. It's because more casual people are tuning in. So you're 100% correct. Um, and and the cer- and that, here's the thing. And I talked to some of the people, the coaching staffs and the UCF people. Young people today and recruits, all they do is on they're online and on their phones watching games. People watch games now on their phones. People watch the games on the computer. People do travel and watch. That's So to me, the biggest thing is they're still going to be on ESPN. The marquee games are still going to be on cable television. We're just making some of these games that, you know, quite frankly, was dog games, I'll call it, are going to be on ESPN Plus with occasional sprinkle in a UCF Cincinnati basketball game that, that would be on CBS Sports Network, which, by the way, nobody watches. And I'm a fan of CBS Sports Network. But that's for diehard people only, just like ESPN News or diehard audiences only. Um, ESPNU. If ESPNU had this huge audience, we would have had more than one guy tweet about the leakage of the women's basketball bracket. We would have had thousands of people leakage. So I think people have overreacted to it. I think it's a win-win for everybody. Uh, I'm excited for all the sports because they're all going to be carried. They're going to get more exposure and more coverage, and I think that's good. Murph, you were going to chime in with something? No, I think I was just laughing at something Eric said about CBS oh. Sports Network. <laughs> Gosh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. all. So, yeah, I, Casting aspersions on CBS and, Sports Network. So, listen, and by the way, for the people that are complaining that it's only $7 million, what number would have satisfied you that was realistic? Well, I'm, like, glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because I want to bring this up. Because we've been hearing, we both have been hearing that, you know, and we asked you know, Mike about the whole grant of rights thing. And that was a real thing. And it turned out that the t- that the schools in the American decided not to go that way, but I would have been curious to know, like, it, yeah, you could have got a, how much money UCF probably could have gotten, and the other schools in the American could have gotten had they agreed to the grant of rights, and I would imagine it would have been a sig- even significantly more. So there was a trade off there, right? It was it's either we'll pay you seven mil, but you get no grant of rights, or you keep the marquee brands in the conference through 2032 and we'll pay you 
10, maybe 15 million right. a year. Like mm-hmm. as a fan, all right? If you're if you're the fan complaining about the TV deal, what would you rather have? Would you rather have the more money in the grant of rights or less money but you can leave at any time? What do you want? Right? Well, I yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the schools answer that question by saying we want less money and the flexibility to leave. Right. Because even if you get 10 to 15 million, that's not going to come close to the Big 12 money or the ACC money or things like that. So I think a lot of it's not, by the way, it's not like Mike Oresco forced this on the school. The schools agreed to this. Yeah, <laughs> they all like, they all they all voted for it, <laughs> including Danny White, who's among the major well, I, players. I, I should I should rephrase that. We don't know if they've exact. We, we actually don't know if they have officially voted for it. We just know that they've come to an agreement with it. The, the conference has not actually officially announced the TV contract. We should clarify that. Correct. But, right. you know, the guys that broke the story are pretty as credible as it gets in the industry. Uh, so I take their word for it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I would say that that, to me, uh, is the key there. I, I think that you want the flexibility because you never know what – you don't know what's going to happen in five years, and I think they have that here. I think the people – look, the people that are complaining are we're going to complain no matter what, and it just is what it is. Uh, they're never going to be happy. They live miserable. You know, they live. They like to be miserable majority of the days and night. Oh, they're the boy. same people. They're going to get some hate mail from this. Coaches. Oh man, <laughs> they're the same people that complain about coaching staffs when they only win by two touchdowns. I mean, it is what it is. It reminds me, like I just had this conversation with a Patriot fan who is upset because they didn't get Odell Beckham, and I'm like, <laughs> right, because you need Odell Beckham to what? Get to the back to the Super Bowl? Oh no, wait, you go there anyway. Like, what the hell are you complaining about? Like, get out of here. It's <laughs> Murph, you got your popcorn ready for our Twitter mentions today? This is going to be great. It's fantastic. I mean, Eric's really on fire. He hasn't told anybody. Well, no. This is, this, is, this is on the – this, this, this episode is going to be on Elo's greatest hits. There's no question well, about it. He did, I thought he I, – I think he did say the word idiot. So, again, going back to our old drinking game, that's a drink. That's a drink. Okay, yeah, we got to do that. All right. Um, so, there it is. What We actually have – I actually broke down the TV deal on blackgoldbanneret.com, at least based on the details that were gleaned from that article. Obviously, new details will be coming out as time goes. Remember that it starts in 2020, 2021, so you still have a full year to sign up for ESPN+. I'm already signed up for it. I know, Elo, you're already, already signed up for it. I already have it. I have it. I watch it a lot. I watch boxing. I watch the UFC. I watch Kobe Bryant's got a special there. Peyton Manning has a special I, You know there. what I watch? I, uh, I watch the hockey. The hockey. The hockey NHL is on there. there yeah. Right. So, yeah. I, um, so, yeah. So, uh, well, again, details will be coming out in time, but... Uh, uh, again, I, maybe I'll put this out as a Twitter poll question. What would you rather have? Grant of rights in 10 to 15 mil or no grant of rights in 7? I mean, that would be that would be what I'd want to know from UCF fans. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk some baseball. We'll talk some softball. We'll talk some tennis. We've got a lot of stuff still on tap. Stick around. The Black and Gold Banner Podcast is back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you. Blackandgoldbanneret.com. UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. Follow us each individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Spokes underscore Murphy, and Eric Lopez Elo. Brian is in Columbia, South Carolina, still in that Walmart parking lot. Um, yep. <laughs> where uh, trying to fill in his, uh, feverishly trying to fill in his uh uh, bracket in the final moments before uh, they get locked in. Um, the uh, uh, and it is against that backdrop that we will ask him about UCF baseball. 
who are right now 15 and 6 uh, and having knocked off uh, number 14 Florida State 9 to 7 in Tallahassee on Tuesday this on the heels of taking two out of three from Virginia Commonwealth uh, on the verge uh, or, or a couple of days before the basketball teams matched up but um, big W for UCF uh, against the key in-state opponent on the eve of conference play which begins on Friday Murph and um, going back and taking a look at what UCF was able to do against Florida State uh, the bats came alive particularly at the top of the order top four hitters in the lineup uh, had a combined uh, seven hits uh, rather I should say the top five order had a combined eight hits um, Anthony George is back um, he was one for four with an RBI two for four three RBIs for Tyler Osick against Florida State and the Knights uh, get the victory they scored six in the fifth in uh, in that game uh, Jackson Clare ended up getting the win but Jordan Spicer went three and a third um, midweek game against uh, against the ranked opponent I know midweeks but uh, what can we what can we evaluate from that uh, from that performance against Florida State well, I mean, it just—it's—it's it's sort of weird because I, I don't know what to make of this team right now. I—they I, can—they can win games like at Florida, and at FSU, and the ranked teams, and then they have a series against Penn State, which I don't think is a, a particularly great team, and they look like just—they they look totally out of sorts. And that was only last weekend or or a week and a half ago. Um, so well, they yeah, won the five in their last six. I mean, let's give them some. They have won five. So, yeah, I, I'm getting there. You've given me 15 <laughs> seconds. Mr. Going Negative uh, right off the bat. All right. <laughs> it's just that this team is kind of up and down right now, and I'm not sure what to make of it. Uh, but, yes, they have won five out of six. Uh, the bats have come alive. Tyler Osick uh, is is your currently your reigning player of the week in the American Conference, and that was before his two-hit and three-RBI effort against uh, Florida State. So – that's good. They need, you know, they need guys like Matthew Micah to step up. He's been kind of slow out of the gates, but uh, has been moved up in the order and has been better recently. I will say again, the, the problem with this team, a long-term issue that you're gonna have to watch is its dependence on its bullpen. Now the bullpen was fantastic in Tallahassee. They had, they have two runs in five and two-thirds innings. Uh, Kyle Kemp got the save. I believe Kyle Kemp gave his first run of the year. Uh, in that outing, but he's been really like magnificent this year. He struck out the side, got out of a huge jam to to win the game. Uh, Garrett Westberg was good. Jalen Whitehead had two scoreless innings. Um, but those guys like Kemp and Westberg and Sinclair um, and Jeffrey Hackinson, we should mention as well, those guys have been used a lot in this early going. We haven't even reached conference play, which starts on Friday. Uh, and I know Lovelady is concerned about how much he's using his bullpen, that's because his starters aren't giving him a whole lot of depth. Uh, that, that, that was kind of different uh, in the VCU series. Trevor Holloway, I think, threw seven innings. Um, so that, they're going to need more of that, though. They're going to need more of that from their starters to go six and seven and not five and five and a third. You know, in the, in the midweek, Jordan Spicer was just flat out just bad again uh, and, and, and went three and a third. So, look, it's great. Right now, they're on a little they're on a little winning jag, and, and now they face ECU. Um, but I, I do have long term concerns with this team because its strength is really that is really the bullpen, uh, as far as its mound strength. It's really on the uh, it's really the bullpen. But I do I, I am worried about how much they're using them this early on, and if that's going to come back to bite them uh, in a month or so from now. Well, they start conference play uh, this Friday in Greenville, North Carolina. 
against uh, number 14 ECU Pirates, one of the favorites to win the American. Of course, Cliff Godwin, former UCF assistant under Terry Rooney, still the head coach at ECU. Um, first game of the series, by the way, will be on the American Digital Network, uh, 630 on Friday, but you're going to be busy uh, watching. We're all going to be busy watching the basketball. Sorry, guys. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, know, Brian. Brian's going to find a way to sneak that baseball news. <laughs> I'm sure he. Yeah, I'm sure he'll have he'll have a window open. But um, this is a very critical early test in in conference play. You're going to find out real quick where you stand against um, this ECU team. Um, I don't know. I it, it's. We know how dangerous they are. Uh, what do we expect from this? What would be? I mean, obviously, you want to, you want to go, if you're on the road. It's the rule of thumb for me was always get two out of three on the road, and you can walk out of there happy. Is would that be the case here with ECU? I don't know. If you get two out of three in any series, you're pretty happy. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, fair. Yeah, unless you're playing, unless you're playing Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They no, they needed they needed at least one, uh, no doubt. And this again, this ECU team is loaded. Uh, Brian Packard uh, was on a, a ton of preseason Player of the Year lists. Uh, Alec Burleson is you know hitting over 400 right now. Spencer Brickhouse is a huge power threat. That's just their offense. Then you go to their pitching staff. Jake Kuchmaner. I've been practicing that name. Jake Kuchmaner threw a perfect game uh, a couple weekends ago. Uh, he's, I think he was their Sunday starter. Uh, so they can, I mean, there's a reason why this team, ECU, is ranked in the top 15 in the nation. It's a gigantic test right out of the gate in conference. Uh, yeah, we're going to see real quickly where UCF stacks up among the best team in the AAC. They need at least one somewhere. And I, I think, you know, even if, they, even if they can't win the series, uh, if they're competitive, I, I think that matters. I think that would still matter even in a losing effort. If they win one out of three, but then make the other two look competitive. I think that matters. Well, ECU is 15 and uh, six on the year, um, and they've won three in a row um, coming in. They, uh, among some of the teams that they've uh, defeated um, on their schedule, they beat Ole Miss, uh, and uh, they beat Utah in 10 innings as well. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, they, uh, they actually. Those are some of the, those are two of the key wins that they've actually had to this point, and they're coming off of a uh, uh, a sweep of the University of Maryland in College Park, by the way, that they took care of business mm-hmm. there. So, um, just had it. They're, they're the defending conference champions. I mean, yeah. they're the best team in the league. They're the team to beat. Uh, they're talented, um, and I would recommend. I don't know. I know there's UCF fans maybe driving up to South Carolina as they're listening to this, or going to be up in South Carolina. I believe it's what is it, Murph? Three to four hour drive. It's a four-hour drive. It's, it's about a four-hour, five-minute drive. Not that I've looked it up. Do you That's dare on Saturday, Murph? Do you dare? Well, I really hope UCF wins on Friday because I don't <laughs> want to. But if they if they lose on Friday to BCU, I might have to. Oh, boy. Well, I talked to I talked at the women's basketball watch party. Kevin Reese, who I believe is going up there, he says he's going to do that. He's going to try and go to the baseball game on Saturday. Uh, so I yeah, I think some UCF fans might do that on a Saturday that don't have, you know, in between games that don't have much else to do. See, Murph's got to actually work. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. He can't just take off. Although, if you're listening, feel free to offer Murph a ride to the game and uh, see what happens, you know. <laughs> help, the, help the guy out right. a little bit. We've well, seen him hitchhiking on the, on the highway between Columbia and Greenville on his way over to 
as we already saddest see si- but I'll be wearing a fedora it'll be the saddest sight in the world if, yet classy yes if you see the fedora you know what to do you see fans all right so uh three game set it'll be Friday 6:30 Saturday 4 Sunday noon um you can watch the games uh, on or the second and third of those games on uh Pirates All Access on ECU's website um, the first game will be on the American Digital Network, so you can catch it there. Yeah, um, two years from now, this will be on ESPN+. Plus. That's right. And actually, all three of the games would be on ESPN+, Plus to give you an more, idea. More than likely, yeah, more than likely. By the way, quick note, UCF Baseball, 18 in the official RPI after the win against Florida State. Pretty good number. That's not bad. I know it's early, but that's a good start. They got wins at Florida and at Florida State. The first time they've beaten the Gators and the Nulls in the same year since 2011. So they've got a win against Auburn, and that JU series win in VCU, at least as of now, looks good because both of those teams are inside the top 45 in RPI. So uh, building a good resume early. I know, you know, it's early, but that's a good resume builder. Yep. And speaking of good resume building, that transfers us over to UCF Softball, who are 20-9 and nine on the year. And they are starting conference play uh, against the UConn Huskies at home this weekend, Friday at 6, Saturday 2, Sunday at 11 a.m. They're coming off of a 8-1 victory over Princeton on Wednesday night, and they uh, swept games against uh, Stetson over the weekend on Saturday, 9-1 in five innings, and then 6-1 in that doubleheader on Saturday. So they've won three in a row coming into conference play. Um, they actually, interestingly enough, they head to Greenville next week, but um, but they're at U- they're against UConn at home here today, or, or not today, but um, but this weekend on this really busy um, UCF sports weekend, and they are ranked in the RPI, thirty seventh to be exact, one spot ahead of the South Florida Bulls, five spots ahead of the Houston Cougars. Um, they are behind Tulsa at twenty, who's at twenty five, and if I'm not mistaken, Eric Lopez, yeah, that's true. Tulsa is the highest-ranked team of the American in the RPI. So, as we begin conference play, we wrap the preseason, as the coaches like to call it. Um, what? Well, I'll I'll give you the uh, the Tony Kornheiser quote. Where are we now? Well, they're twenty and nine, so they're playing well. And I kind of count this week. I kind of called it the uh, revenge tour week. Uh, they knocked off Princeton, a team that. Split a doubleheader last year with UCF. They now play UConn, who beat UCF last year in UConn in, in a blizzard, you know, in 30 degree weather, two out of three. Um, <laughs> and I consider this a revenge week tour because I would argue that those three losses were a big reason why UCF did not make the NCAA tournament. Uh, so they took care of Princeton first, and now they got a UConn team to start conference play, um, who's, you know, is, you could argue is maybe the worst place, the uh, last place team in the league, but they're a scrappy team. I mean, they have, they, they really, uh, they don't, it, it, it's weird. They're a very frustrating team to play because, you know, you're in the fifth inning and it's a two to one game. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how UConn play. So I'll be curious how UCF comes out against UConn. You mentioned the 37 RPI. That's a good start. The RPIs are going to fluctuate early on here. So I wouldn't, obsessed about it too much early on although i do have my first bracketology out on fastpitchnews.com Uh uh-oh here it comes murph get your get your softball (laughs) bracketology right here from eric lopez that's right and i will i'll give you both the sneak peek here on black and go banner i have ucf in as one of four teams in the american uh as far as a a four bid league as of now the american is actually the sixth rated conference 
in softball right now. They're both sixth in baseball and softball, though. Baseball is going to, in a matter of uh, maybe the next week or two, move up to number five because it was virtually a tie for fifth in baseball. But, uh, look, they're in position. I mean, they're in position. I mean, this league is tough. The advantage that UCF has is they have USF and they have Houston, who are two of the top teams in the league at home. And, you know, Leah White's pitching great. And I think, Coach, they're starting to hit some power. I mean, Aaron Emanuel hit a home run in the Princeton game. Uh, Tamisha Glover is having an all-conference type year. She's been their best hitter from day one. You want to talk about a player that has excelled under the new staff and the new approach offensively. It's been Tamisha Glover. She has been phenomenal. And I think those are some positives yeah. here as you get into conference play. Yeah, Mish has been uh, off the hook, and I'm actually trying to pull up her stats as of right now. But I mean, she was always a talented player, but and we knew she was. She suffered from some injury problems, but right now she's hitting 375. She's yeah. 30 of 80 at the plate, uh, nine doubles, three homers, uh, and, uh, and and by the way, on base percentage of 463. So, uh, and she's only struck out five times. So that that gives you an idea of. Um, of the kind of season that she's having. Seven of nine on the stolen base department. Um, yeah, she's making a, already an early play for first team uh, first team all-conference, no? Yeah, I mean, she's playing that type of high level, and it's great to see her back 100% healthy. She got hurt two years ago, had a significant injury uh, in the conference opener against Houston two years ago, and now I think she's 100% and she's playing with a lot of confidence, and it's been huge for this team. I mean, she's been very valuable for them playing good third base. Uh, so it's very solid. So look, it, it's conference play. You're zero and zero in conference. These are big games now, and we'll see how they come out locked in and against the UConn team that has already been in Florida. They've been in Florida since Tuesday. They beat Bethune Cookman in a midweek on a Wednesday, so they're getting accustomed and probably enjoying the weather that we have here compared to Stores, Connecticut. Because I haven't met one person that has enjoyed <laughs> Stores, Connecticut weather. Um, so, by the way, Connecticut, maybe that's one of the reasons why you know you. You know, you might want to be staying in the American Conference instead of trying to go to the Big East. You UConn fans, you, you know. Anyway, Eric um, is now flaming schools. Other fans, oh well, it's man! Just, by the way, can you let the UConn fans Five. know that they're complaining <laughs> about it? That the American had just as many teams in the field of sixty-eight in men's basketball that the big, the mighty Big East did, and I would argue has a better future and better coaches from a talent standpoint than the American, the Big East does. But whatever. <laughs> Yeah, Patrick is Ewing's going to lead Georgetown to the promised this land. Is, please. This is great. I've, this Eric, is the best show ever. Eric, are you okay? Is there <laughs> something you need to get off your chest? I think we woke him up a little too early in the morning. Yeah, you go, you, mm-hmm. Did you not have your coffee this morning? I'm not a morning guy. You know, this is yes. why I like recording. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Well, at, well, at, well, at this rate, we're going to start recording in the mornings all the time. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, so, so there's softball against uh, UConn coming up. Um, yeah. Six o'clock, we're on UCF TV on Friday. I will be there calling the game and having UCF basketball on my computer somehow. So I will – and following Murph on Twitter. So I've got a busy, busy weekend ahead. All right. So, uh, well, we all have a pretty busy weekend ahead. Everyone's kind of uh, uh, – yeah, it's just absolutely crazy um, going around. And by the way, the craziness um, continues with tennis, by the way, I should say. Um, I just want to check in on the rankings with uh, UCF uh, women's and uh, men's tennis. I want to start with the women. They are 15-2. and two. Uh, They've won uh, 
Well, I mean, they're on this insanely long uh, losing streak right now. Or, excuse me, insanely long winning streak. What am I saying? Winning streak. They won on St. Paddy's Day uh, against Wichita State uh, 4-0. Took care of business there. They uh, they only have five regular season matches to go. Tulsa, number 34, Illinois, at FIU. And then Oklahoma State, South Florida at home to uh, finish up. By the way, they're at Oklahoma, they're at Oklahoma State, I should say. Um but at 15 and 2, and I'm checking the ITA rankings, which nobody likes, but here they are anyway. Um, they're 26th up from 28th as a team, and they're playing, guess what? Well, they're, they're playing Miami, who's you know ranked 25th, one spot ahead of them. Um, in terms of the individual rankings, Val- uh, Valeria Zaleva is 41st in the country in singles, Ksenia Kuznetsova is 84th, uh, and then in the doubles, um, uh, rankings as well. Uh, uh, Zaleva and Kuznetsova are 31st in the country. So it's been a good year so far for uh, UCF women's tennis. They do play on Friday. Gosh, these teams with all these games happening at one time. Friday at 5 p.m. Um, at down at Lake Nona against Tulsa, and then they play number 34 ranked Illinois on uh, Sunday at noon. They get a week off before they go down to Miami to play FIU. Uh, the men's team, they are back on the uh, winning train. They beat South Alabama last m- on Monday, and then on Wednesday they beat number 26 Oklahoma State, swept them 4 to nothing, uh, and they've got two matches to go, both of them at home, one against number 13 Illinois, uh, and that is Friday as well at noon at the uh, tennis complex, and then they finish up with Florida Atlantic on uh, the 31st at 6. Um, the men's rankings right now, uh, they're 42nd, uh, down from 33rd after they lost their last matchup, but a chance to get that back against uh, against Illinois. Uh, on the uh, singles, I'm glad I, I wanted to pull this up because we should, we haven't given these guys a shout-out, and they totally deserve it. Gabriel DeCamp uh, is 38th in the uh, singles uh, in the ITA uh, rankings. And then uh, in the doubles, we got anyone ranked? Yes, we do. Number 54, Trey Hildebrand and Bogdan Pavel uh, are 54th in the uh, doubles ranking. So congrats to all those players. Keep it going as the tennis season winds down with the American tournament coming up and, of course, the uh, NCAAs shortly thereafter. All right, boys, it's uh, just about tournament time. Um, well, we already know where you are, where you are, Murph. If you're in Columbia, you'll be following UCF <laughs> basketball the entire time and, pro- and probably risking the drive over to Greenville um, I hope not. No, I hope not. That no, would be no, lost. Jeffrey. No, we don't. Jeffrey, no. You don't. You don't understand, Jeffrey. If UCF wins, that means I don't have to go to Greenville. So no, again, you should root for your home team. That's right. Okay, so we are. We are. Okay, so we will hope that Murph does not have to go to Greenville. Follow Spokes underscore Murphy for the latest. Uh, on that, cloned, unless he gets cloned, and then like he could send his clone to baseball and then cover it, just kind of like I wish I was cloned right now, so yeah. I could be at basketball and softball, you know, because everybody decides is playing every at the same time. Yeah, I mean. By it's... the way, I will say this: I've never been to a, I've never covered a, I've never covered a NCAA uh, March Madness uh, tournament game. So I'm not really? exactly sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I never have. So I, I've been to like Final Fours and stuff, but that's a humble brag. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. Did you just throw in? Oh yeah, uh, in the final. Four. In the final four is yes, it's, yes. I mean, I, what's I, seen I, one, I, seen them all. You know. 
I was at the Chris Webber No Timeout Final Four in New Orleans oh, in '93. Oh wait a minute, wait a minute! Uh, you were a youngin at that one, man. Yeah, I was eight. I fell asleep during the semifinal game between North Carolina and Kansas. Yeah, that was the I good. That was the really good game too, wasn't it? No, 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 no. North Carolina with North Carolina with Eric Montross absolutely crushed him. Donald Williams. Um, but I will say, so I, I don't know the kind of like how many media credentials are usually handed out for these kinds of first round games. I will say there have been nearly 600 credentialed media members for this for this pod that includes Duke, Virginia, and UCF. Well, yeah, there. I mean, that's why Duke and Duke and Virginia. I mean, it's you know I hate saying it, but it's true. Um, so enjoy. Listen, enjoy it. It's a ton of basketball. It's going to be fun. I know you're going to have a lot of fun up there, Murphy, and I'll be um, I'll be you know banging the notifications on my phone from your twitter account throughout the weekend uh Ela, what you got coming up i know you uh i know you're not traveling to yukon um for softball but uh it's well, still gonna here. be that's why oh i'm sorry that's right yeah why was i thinking that they'd be in store i don't know i'm out of my mind um yeah they, so they so they are here and you will be doing those games I will be doing that. That's why I said earlier. I will be watching. I'll be calling the game while following Murphs on Twitter and watching you. Maybe UCF I need the coffee. On my computer. See, because we don't need TV sets to watch basketball anymore. People, just throw that out there. Me, good. Right, but we want to watch. We want to watch on our TV sets. But I got my. I got my Roku. I got my subscription to ESPN. But you Plus. have the option. So I will be doing that. If you want more details, by the way, in the American Conference in softball, I did an, a nearly hours preview of the American Conference with Cassie Tarsarjic on my In the Circle podcast, which you could follow on In the Circle SB. So if you want more details on the American in softball, go to the most recent episode, which came out uh, a little earlier today as we record on Thursday. So that's out as well. I will be on the uh, eight, uh, with Austin Cox on his show on Thursday as well. Yep, the AAC down. Daily. Yep, That's right. I'll be on with him. Uh, as I uh, we preview the UCF VCU game and talk about the TV contract uh, as well, so I'll be breaking that down hopefully uh, as well. So uh, I will be all over the place. I'll be in an Alabama podcast on Monday talking softball, talking bracketology. It's that kind of year where now I pretty much have a phone locked into my ear for like twenty. We're hearing hours. the notifications coming through actually as of oh. right now. So there's news happening for softball. Woj, Eric Lopez. Uh, that you probably have to get to. All right. Don't forget to follow us at uh, blackandgoldbanneret.com. We are SB Nation's home for your UCF nights on this insanely busy weekend. Uh, it'll be fun. Women's basketball at 7 o'clock on Friday. Men's probably right after that. ESPN2 and CBS, respectively. Um, don't forget to take a look at Jeremy Brenner's uh, roundtables previewing both of those games. Um, yeah, it's just going to be total and complete madness and craziness. Because, uh, you know, it's March, and it's March Madness. This is literally what they mean by March Madness <laughs> with all these sports going on um, at the same time. Follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. Follow us each individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez, Elo, and Brian is at Spokes underscore uh, Murphy. Uh, and you can also follow us at Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. That'll do it, boys. Safe travels. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Thanks, Jeffrey. All right. And for all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the madness. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>